Thank you. Uh, Greta's going to come in a minute and share. Uh, you know, New Zealand and beyond next year, uh, we've been praying about this. I, I felt like the Holy Spirit say it'll be a great upper room experience for many people next year. If you know your Bible, you know the upper room was a place uh, where they encountered the presence of God very powerfully and uh, transformed their lives. Um, and so, you know, we're helping with Pastor Tark to work on another nation at the moment um, to hold a um, there and beyond conference. I think, you know, there's a lot of conferences in New Zealand um, that are fantastic conferences. In fact, God's breathing on conferences again in this nation and a lot of great conferences that really help you grow in your Christian life. But I think New Zealand and beyond has a distinctive to it, and that is that it's very missional. Not, I don't mean becoming a missionary on the other side of the world, but, but really it, it releases a fire for the mission of Christ of reaching the lost people around us. And uh, you will be inspired. And I think because it's an outward looking, something that's really on God's heart is to reach lost people. Um, I think God is breathing on that, so uh, that's cool. Hey, I just felt a couple of prophetic words I want to throw out um, just before Greta comes to share for a few minutes, then I'll come back, bring the message, but um, I sensed there were some people that would be here tonight, and you are really struggling with guilt right now, and uh, this is guilt uh, over something that you've done that maybe you shouldn't have done, or it could be guilt over something that you've failed to do and you should have done. And if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself or anything, but I feel like the Lord wants to say to you, uh, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I don't care what you've done, Jesus' blood can wash you clean. And I don't think the Lord wants you to walk, walk with that guilt. So confess your sins, accept forgiveness. If you need to put anything right with anybody, do that. But I feel like the Father's saying to you, he wants you free of that. So be blessed in that. And um, this man here, I don't know your name, but I just looked over at you in the, in the worship time and I felt like, um, you know, there's more mana on your life than you realize. There is. And, but God wants you to use it for the kingdom of God. I don't think you realize the weight of what you carry, but uh, God is going to use you. There's going to be a release of spiritual authority. There's going to be a release of favor on your life. Uh, you're going to speak, and in, in, I see you speaking to groups and sharing stuff, life truths with them. I see you being a father to, to a lost generation who don't have fathers. I just feel like that thing's going to grow on you, and, and that'll, you know, the mana will give you the favor. So uh, may the Lord encourage you and bless you. All right, just keep, uh, just keep enjoying God, and uh, that'll be cool. Um, Raniera uh, just felt like, you know, the Lord is just going to up the level of worship and devotion um, to Him in your life. Uh, you're going to get, I just see the Lord putting such a hunger um, in your heart that you're just going to want to press into the presence of God. And the reason for this is 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding Him, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And I just feel like the Lord, you know, we were singing, your presence is heaven. That's going to become literally real to you. Yeah, I just feel like the Lord is inviting you into a greater dimension of his presence. And, and if, as Emma said, if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. I just see some huge transformation taking place in your life in the next 12 months. You just, you know, God's going to change some things in your thinking. And it'll be because you've been in his presence glimpsing him. So just be encouraged. That's a gift from God. Wow. 
Uh, I wish I had a word like that, but any of us can. Uh, there's this gentleman here, don't know your name, but I felt um, like the Lord is saying to you, um, son, pray. Pray and ask your Father in heaven, for he will answer your prayers. And I feel like you maybe this feel, you felt like sometimes you've asked and it doesn't seem to have happened. But I feel like Father's saying to you, he wants to bring you into a time where if you ask boldly and ask in faith and ask from a good heart, he's going to do it. And John 16, 24, Jesus said, hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. And I feel like that's what the Lord's saying to you. He wants to give you some great answers to prayer. Big stuff, like mountain stuff. Just ask big. Ephesians 3.21, he is able to do abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. So just be encouraged with that. Um, this is going to sound strange, but as someone here, you've, you've bought a new belt recently. Just give me a wave if that's you. Uh, somebody's bought a new belt. You have. You've bought a new belt. Um, you know, there's a part of the armor of God in Ephesians 6 called the belt of truth. And it's like, you, you know, you bought a new belt, put it on, that's great. And it's like the Lord's just going to give you a new love for the truth. And you're going to buckle the truth on your life to a whole new level. I mean, I know you have that love for the word already, but it's like it's going to go up to another level. Um, and that's the word, reading the word, the scriptures. That's what the belt of truth means. It's buckling on the scriptures, our word of God. And that holds the sword, which is the spoken word. So when we speak the word, it comes out of the written word. And I just see like it's going to be so attached to you. And I saw, you know, I saw the, the buckles nice and strong. And I just feel like God's going to really buckle truth onto your life and put an even greater love for the word into you. So Get, just enjoy your reading. And just one last one, um, just one last word. Um, I just get the name Jonathan, and sometimes it's for people in the meeting, or sometimes it's for people outside the meeting. I'll just check first. Is there anyone here called Jonathan? Just give me a wave if that's your name. Sometimes it's for people. Okay, does someone here, you know somebody called Jonathan? Just give me a wave. If you, okay, there's a few hands. I, I sense like he's a young man, maybe in his 20s or 30s. Just put your hand up if that's still relevant. Oh, golly. He's got dark hair. He's got dark hair. Dark hair. I got one over there. Okay, I got two. I don't know if you know the same one, but um, please could you pass this on? God is going to make this young man into a spiritual warrior. I don't know where he's at with God right now. It doesn't matter. God, I just felt like God is going to put his hand on him and embolden him to become a spiritual warrior. And the scripture that goes with it is 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given him a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So could you pass that on and, and just encourage him? Honey, come and share what you've got on your heart. Yeah, just before I do that, that one song that we sang, I felt there was such an anointing on it. Freedom reigns in this place, showers of mercy and grace, um, sh you know, falling on every face. And I, th I feel that that is one of the things that is going to characterize this church. You know, this morning, um, I, one, one thing I shared was that I feel Father is fashioning you into a church of powerful hope. And I feel he's going to also establish you as a place of freedom where the captives are set free. The prisoners are released from darkness, no matter what the bondages, no matter what the sicknesses, no matter what the oppressions. 
Um, and God is going to be mandating you with that Isaiah 61, those first four verses, to do this. Now, I, I quote from a scripture in Acts 1 verse 8. This is what Jesus said just before he was taken up to heaven. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And we could say it like this, and you will be my witnesses in Kaitaia, in all of Northland, in New Zealand, and to the ends of the earth. And on Pentecost Day, this happened. We had 120 believers gathered together, and they were all filled, notice all, filled with the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire came to rest on them. And one of those believers was a man called Stephen. And one of the things I feel God's encouraging all of us, men and women alike, young and old alike, is to rise up like Stephen's. He was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith means you dare to believe the promises of God's word. You dare to ask big things of God that are in his will. And you dare to step boldly into the unknown. These are the people God's looking for. And Jesus wants to infuse us with a fire of faith to do this. And full of the Holy Spirit means we become like Stephen. And this is what the Bible says. A man or woman full of grace and full of power who did great wonders and miraculous signs. And the Lord intends every, I'm just an ordinary believer. I'm not a great um, Benny Hinn or any of these other huge ministries. But he intends every ordinary believer for our lives to be accompanied by miracle signs and wonders. And he's restoring this to his church. You know, notice that Stephen's job was what we call an ordinary job. He was a waiter. He waited on tables. So, so no extraordinary job, but he powerfully impacted people's lives. And whatever you happen to do in life, the Lord wants to use you to powerfully impact people's lives as well. Wherever you happen to be, the Lord wants to use you to be his witness. And he says, will you be my witness? You know, this could be in any aspect of society, in education, in business, even if you work in McDonald's, anywhere, um, in, in, in health, every sphere of society, um, in our daily lives, in our families, our whānau, in our neighborhoods, you know, at the shops, in the sports team, etc. God wants us to advance the kingdom of God in our personal sphere of influence. And God is issuing a rallying cry to his churches around the world. Mobilize, go. Because the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And we, we have received that wonderful good news. I want to share something about Kataya, which I'm sure most of you are aware of. That Kataya started as a mission station in 1834. And there were two church missionary society couples, especially the Matthews and the Puckies. Um, the, there were two guys, and they married these sisters who settled here among others. God sent them, as he sent other missionaries as well. 
And two years later, a well-known indigenous son, Nopere Panakario, if I pronounced it correctly, with his wife, they received Jesus Christ into their hearts. And a year later, Nopera became an evangelist, and he went out from Kaitaia, he went from village to village into the north, and he converted many to Christianity. And you know, a few years later, at a, at a, a missionary, um, this, this church missionary society service, they counted 500 Maori alone present. And we need to pray, Lord, do this again and multiply it many times. This is God's heart. He's not after a few. He is after whole nations. He is after whole people groups. But the point of this, this story is that the English missionaries served together with the Maori to spread the gospel. And prophetically, I feel that God intends again Kaitaia to become a mission station, a mission sending center. He wants to restore and far more this rich spiritual heritage that is here. There are old wells here. He wants to fully reopen them and expand them way beyond they have ever been. And that rallying cry, mobilize and go, this is a cooperative co-laboring again of Maori and Pakiha together for the kingdom of God. And you see, it's unity, it's unity that Father is after, that all as one, because we will be as one in, in, the, in heaven. And when, when God sees unity, it, it releases the blessing of God and the power of God in, in a way like nothing else does. And for some of you, I, I feel that God will call you to walk in the footsteps of Nopara, that you will go from, from community to community, village to village, spreading the good news of Jesus. And this is the, the word, and, and there might be a young person or two here that it's, um, th this will be in your future in some years' time. The Lord will show you when. But, th but this is the scripture, and I know that whoever this is for, the Holy Spirit, you're going to hear it, and he's going to bring it to remembrance at the right time. Jesus said this to Paul, and the Lord says this to you. I am sending you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place in his kingdom. And I feel the Lord is going to release a fresh fire to preach the gospel and an anointing to evangelize the lost in this whole region. Yes, give him a clap. This is his heart. This is his heart. It is harvest time. The harvest is ripe. And over the last years, we've, we've ministered much up in Kerry, Kerry, for example, and other places in Northland. We, this is our first time in Kataya. And the Lord's graciously given me visions of Northland. And you know what I've seen a number of times is vast harvest fields ripe. The harvest is ripe. And what I also saw was an army of warrior harvesters marching into the harvest fields of, of Northland. And these warrior harvesters, this is a true warrior. 
A true warrior has a fighting spirit that springs from a heart of love. And it's the Father's love that motivates him. His, 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 that's his passion. That's what drives him. That's what motivates him is God's love for, for the lost in his heart. And a fighting spirit. This is, I'm going to quote you a little bit of somebody who is, who is, who is, a, is a true warrior. While women weep as they do now, I will fight while little children go hungry as they do now, I will fight. While men go to prison, in and out, in and out as they do now, I will fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there, re while there remains one soul in darkness without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. That's William Booth, Salvation Army Man. That is a warrior. And, and that is, and I really feel that in this room, there are hidden warriors. Some of you, 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 you know it already. You, you, you fully identify with what I'm saying. You've been a warrior, a seasoned warrior a long time, like you. There are seasoned warriors in this room. God honors you. God honors you. But there are, there are, more, there are hidden warriors God is going to raise up and to become part of this army. There is a salvation, a harvest of salvation coming for our, fam our families and for the nations of the world we have not seen before. Because Father so loves the world. He is after the salvation of the nations. And he calls us to partner with him. God is speaking so much about nations now. I haven't got time to, to, to share. But there will be some of you here that God will send to nations. And the rest of us, we partner with him in prayer. And together, those that are sent and those that stay and fight in prayer, we share in the, in the fruit and in the rewards. And in the season that we're in now, we will see sudden breakthroughs of salvation for the lost, for the backslidden, for whole households will be saved in this time. There will be suddenness. So hang on, keep fighting in prayer, and do not give up. There are some of you that have been praying a long time. The suddenness are coming. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord will empower us by His Spirit. We can't do this in our own strength at all. We are utterly dependent on His wonderful Holy Spirit. He'll empower us by His Holy Spirit to participate however he calls us to, whether locally or internationally. And I close with this. John the Baptist said this of Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And in some other visions I've had of Northland, I've seen this region ablaze with the fire of God. This is his purpose. And I feel, you know, it always starts with us. And tonight, Jesus wants to baptize us afresh with his Holy Spirit and fire, primarily for power to be his witnesses with the love of God. He wants our hearts to burn with a, a passionate love for him and with a compassionate love for the lost. And our prayer needs to be, it's, it's a beautiful song by Brian Johnson, for the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. Wow, that is a great word. Great word.
you know, um, when you hear prophetic stuff like that, it's very exciting, isn't it? But, you know, every prophecy is an invitation to intercession. Just because something prophetic comes doesn't guarantee it'll happen. Because God looks for us to cooperate with it, pray it into being, believe for it. So I just want to follow on and, and talk to you. Uh, Greta mentioned uh, Stephen being a man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I want to talk to you about that. If you've got your Bibles there or you've got an application, a Bible app on your phone or tablet, you might want to turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Um, if you haven't got your Bible, that's okay. Just listen and I'll read it to you. Um, Acts 2, 17 and 18, many of you will have heard this scripture before, somewhere along the line. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. This is Peter preaching on Pentecost Day. Jesus has gone back to heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit comes upon the early church, and revival, uh, the fire is lit, and thousands get saved even on that first day. And Peter is quoting a, pro a prophet called Joel. Uh, who predicted that this would happen in the last days. Now, theologians tell us the last days is the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. So I reckon we must be in the last of the last days, don't you? And, uh, and so what the Bible is saying is that period, and it's been going on now for 2,000 years, that period in history will be different to any other period that ever came before it. The thousands and thousands of years of history before Christ's coming. Uh, you know, great things happen if you read the Old Testament, but this prophet Joel was predicting there'd come a day in the earth where God would release his spirit in a way like the world has never seen, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. And notice the scripture, it doesn't leave anyone out, your sons and your daughters, you know, male and female, your old men, your young men, old and young, servants, they were the slaves in that day, they were the lowest of the low. God says, I'll not leave anybody out, but in this era of history uh, called I will, the last days, I will release my spirit upon all people. And the result would be prophetic revelation. People would prophesy. People would have visions. People would have dreams. It says your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I'd like to just state emphatically, I'm having many more visions than dreams at the moment. And I'm really pleased about that. How's your dream life, Paul? <laughs> You say, well, what is the purpose of all this? The purpose is found in Revelation 19, verse 10. It says, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The, the end result of all prophetic revelation, whether it's a vision, a dream, a prophetic word, whatever it is, the end result is it should point us closer to Jesus. The prophetic word may not be about Jesus per se, but it should, you know, even some that receive prophetic words, that should encourage you to press closer into Jesus so those words would be fulfilled. The end result of all prophetic revelation should be Jesus. It should point to him. And, you know, we love the prophetic because that's our ministry. But, you know, sometimes we get so carried away with the mechanisms of how God speaks. Oh, I had a vision. Wow. Oh, I got a prophetic word. Cool. Oh, an angel appeared and spoke to me like he did in the, like they do in the Bible. We sometimes we get so excited about the mechanisms of revelation that we forget it's actually about him. 
You know, it's like you get a phone call from a lawyer. I got good news. You know, your long lost uncle Jim in Scotland, he owned a castle, he's died. You're his only descendant and he's left everything to you and we've sold it up and we're going to send you a check for a couple of million dollars. You go, wow, that's cool. I can't wait to get that in the mail. Yes, we'll send you a letter and it'll have our seal, you know, um, you know, somebody and somebody, the, the legal firm, and you wait for this letter to turn up, and here it comes in the mail. It's got the, it's got the name of the legal firm on it. You know there's a check inside. Now, wouldn't it be stupid if you just took that letter and you, you, you pasted it on your wall in your lounge, and everybody that came in said, wow, look at this letter. That's my inheritance. That's so, isn't that envelope fantastic? Isn't it amazing? Look at the gold lettering on that envelope. It's so incredible. How stupid would that be? You meant to open the thing, take the check out and use it. Is that right? And we sometimes do that with prophetic revelation. Wow, look at that dream. Look at that vision. I love those things. But it's meant to point us to Jesus. He's the end result of it all. And that's why God in this hour is pouring out his spirit across the earth. And um, he's doing it for a reason. We were flying from Melbourne to Brisbane a few years ago. And in the middle of the flight, I have this vision, uh, my, mind's, my eyes are shut, but in my mind I'm seeing Jesus, he's standing with pure white, and all around him is this beautiful blue expanse, like a brilliant sky, and then he says to me, I am about to give my people grace for greater revelation of me, this was a couple of years ago. And I'm going, wow, that is amazing. Lord, I'm in for that. I want a greater revelation of Jesus. And then I began to think, Lord, what does that mean? What aspects of who you are will you share with your people throughout the world? And I was thinking like he's the great shepherd. He's the king of kings. He's the prince of peace. You know, he's the bright morning star. He's the son of God. What aspects? And then the Holy Spirit started bringing my attention and my thoughts. I went back to the Welsh revival. 1904, just prior to that, there was a young man called Evan Roberts in his early 20s. And he and some other young men and women and some teenagers began to seek God for a move of the Holy Spirit in Wales. And he wanted to see lots of people saved. And just outside of Swansea is a little village with a little church called Mariah Chapel. And there one day in 1904, Evan Roberts was preaching a sermon. The Spirit of God fell in the Welsh Revival began. And in six months, a hundred thousand people came to Christ. And we went to that little chapel and we stood in the pulpit that Evan preached in. I didn't feel any anointing or anything like that, but I thought this is cool. He stood here one day. hundred thousand people. You know, we were, we were staying in Swansea um, with a, a retired Baptist minister. And he's saying he went through Bible uh, seminary in the early 50s. He said, one of my lecturers had been in the Welsh revival, and he was in a little village in Wales, and they had a little Baptist chapel. About 20 people would come to it. There were a couple of hundred people that lived in that village, and he said, one night, one Saturday night, in the midst of the revival, the Holy Spirit just came and overshadowed that village. Everybody got convicted. The next morning, everybody woke up. The entire village turned up to church and got right with God. That was the sort of thing that was happening. Wow. Do it again, Lord. Amen. Um, and, but there were, the, the reason I'm telling you that story, there were a couple of brothers called George and Stephen Jeffries that were 
totally impacted by the Welsh revival. And they got an evangelistic fire. And they started preaching throughout the British Isles, England and Wales, Scotland, Ireland. They went and they preached. And and they preached a particular message. And they called their message the four-square gospel. Nothing to do with groceries. Four-square gospel. They said a square has four sides. And Jesus has four parts to who he is. And this is who we preach. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is healer. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. He empowers us with the Spirit. And Jesus is the coming King. He's coming back again to rule the nations. There'll be a judgment day where all wickedness will be sorted out and judged and righteousness will prevail in the earth. And they preached this amazing message and they preached Him as healer and saw miracles of healing. They preached Him as Savior and saw heaps of people saved. They they saw many filled with the Holy Spirit and churches started up and down the British Isles. We were in Birmingham uh, this year and the last couple of years at a great church there in Birmingham. And the pastor said, do you know how our church started? I said, no. He said, it started in the 1930s. George Jeffries came to Birmingham. He preached here for six weeks and 10,000 people came to Christ in six weeks. Wow. Because they saw miracles of healing, people getting out of wheelchairs, crutches being thrown away and all of that kind of stuff. And they saw this. And as they lifted up Jesus as Savior, Healer, baptized in the Spirit and coming King, they saw these amazing things. And on the plane, and the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to reveal Jesus as those four things to my church again. And one of the four, I will reveal the greatest. And I'm thinking, which one is that? Is it coming King? Is it Healer? Which one is it? And the Spirit of God said, be Savior. Because God's not willing that anybody be lost. You can get healed, but if you don't give your heart to Jesus, you'll still end up in hell. You can't even be baptized in the Holy Spirit until you're saved. And if the coming king comes and you don't know the coming king, it's going to be a terrifying day of judgment. But if you know him, it'll be a wonderful day of rejoicing. So it's the whole thing of Savior. And you know, if you read on from Acts 2, 17 and 18 about the outpouring of the Spirit in verses 19 through 21, it says... I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, the outpouring of the Spirit is to point us to Jesus and for the end goal that a multitude of people will come into the kingdom because John 3.16 in the Bible says, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And you've got to understand the heart of God. The heart of God is to reach the lost, the broken, the people that are discarded by society. You know, the gospel came to Northland. Hallelujah. The first Maori... I think set foot here. Is that right? The, wherever they came from, what, you know, is that right? Would have been here in the north. And the Maori are the host people of our nation. And, and you host the peoples of this land that have come subsequently. And, and you're a, a spiritual nation. You know, one of, one of your prophets, a couple of hundred years before Cook came, saw a great walker with sails visiting this nation with a message. That's why Maori was so receptive to the gospel. 
when it first came because of those prophetic words that the, the Maori seers had seen. God's got his eye on Northland. I don't care what the, the people say about this part of the land, but you know that economically it might be down and there might be this and that. This is a beautiful part of the country. You are blessed up here. And God wants to reopen a well of prosperity because up here accepted the gospel to our nation and it spread throughout the land. God remembers the reception of the gospel. God remembers the welcome that was given to the gospel. God has not forgotten the people that welcomed the gospel to this nation. He's going to bless you again. Hallelujah. And the reason God sent the gospel to this nation is that, you know, everybody on the planet has broken God's rules. Everybody in this room, you've broken one of God's laws, maybe more of them. You know, those Ten Commandments, we've lied, we've stolen, we've done things we shouldn't have done. Everybody in the room has broken one. And if you break one of God's laws, that's enough to separate you. He is so holy, he cannot tolerate sin in his presence. Even one sin will separate you. You know, Adam and Eve was one bite of the fruit, separated them from God. Just one bite, one act. And everybody in this room is guilty. Now, if you die in that state, if you die like that, God is obliged by his holiness to send you to a place separated from his presence. And there for eternity, you will live in torment and, in the, and regret that you never got right with God and that you now have to endure the torment of separation from God eternally. That's called hell. And, and William Booth, that great Salvation Army founder, he said, I see a day coming in the 20th century, and we're in the 21st century. I see a day coming where the preachers will preach about heaven, but not about hell. Because the preaching will be popular. I don't like preaching about hell. I'd rather preach about a whole lot of other things. But Jesus did. But the, you see, for there to be good news, it's got to be bad news first. Bad news, the soul that sins shall die. The bad news is the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is why, because, because that will pain Father God to have to do that to anyone, he went to extreme measures so that nobody on planet earth would have to end up with that fate. And so he sends his son who hangs on a cross a perfect, sinless God hanging on a cross. What was he doing? Taking the punishment for your sin and mine on himself. So that all that believe in him could have their sins forgiven and washed clean. And the moment you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died in your place, and you, you, you give him your life, you know what happens? God takes your rotten, sinful record and he puts it on Jesus. And he takes the perfect, righteous record of Christ and he puts it on you so that when Father looks at you, he sees you as perfect. You don't have to perform religiously to gain God's approval. You have to believe in his son, Jesus. That's what you have to do. I can't. Listen, my, even on my best day where I don't think I've done anything wrong, my righteousness is as like dirty rags. That's what the Bible says. Even on my best day, even on your best day. And a lot of us don't have best days. We have stupid days where we do a lot of things wrong. You know, you don't have to worry about whether God receives you because you're performing religiously. You say, but David, you don't know me. I'm not perfect like that. 
No, you're not, and I'm not. That's our condition, but your position is you're perfect in God's sight. Why? Because you've believed in His Son, and that faith washes you clean from every sin. And your condition may not match your position, and the Holy Spirit's working on your life, all through your life, to make your condition increasingly match your position. And one day when you get to heaven, you will be perfect in condition. But right now, as long as you have faith in Jesus and stay connected to Jesus, Father looks at you and He says, sees you as perfect in his sight. For by faith, by grace, we have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. You're not made more acceptable to God because you read your Bible, pray, and do all those things. Those, those are great things to do. I do those things because I want to bring pleasure to my father and I want to get to know him. But I don't do them to earn his favor because I already have it. My faith in Jesus gives me total acceptance with Christ. You know, there's a great man called A.W. Tozer, an American pastor. He wrote this, the vague hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly drug for the consciences of millions. There's a lot of Christians that think, well, surely God won't send people to hell. Sadly, he will. And like I said, it won't give them any pleasure And that's why the Bible says God is not willing that any perish, but that all would come to have everlasting life. And do you know what? That around the world today, God is just doing that so big time. Uh, You know, we've been gathering statistics in our travels. We've heard people tell us certain things. We um, We were having dinner with a Singaporean pastor a couple of years ago, and he goes into China, and he's ministering to hundreds of churches in China. And we said, John, I've heard, we've heard that they tell us that 30,000 people every day are coming to Christ in China. Is that true? He looks at us, he says, no, it's not true. And I was a bit disappointed. I thought, wow, I've been fed a line. He said, it's closer to 35,000 every day coming to Christ in China. You know what? The communists took over in 1948. They tried to eradicate Christianity. They shut down churches. They killed Christians. You know what God has done? China's on its way to becoming the largest Christian nation on the planet. There's already 100 million believers in China, they estimate, out of a population of 1.2 billion. And, you know, the government is running so scared now. There are more Christians than there are Communist Party members in the Communist Party. You know, the rate of 35,000 a day, that's a, million, um, that's a million a month. And they reckon within 10 to 20 years, uh, China will surpass the United States as being the largest Christian nation on the planet and probably will have a purer form of Christianity than we see in the West. We were in London ministering at a great church, and one of the elders there was an Indian, and he said to us, you know, I take teams into India. We do pastors' conferences. He said, did you know that every day in India, 48,000 people are coming to Christ? Because Hinduism gives no hope. All Hinduism teaches is you get reincarnated to another form. And, you know, if you live a good life, maybe you'll get reincarnated to a better form. And if you're suffering now because in a former life you did something wrong, you just got to suffer that. That's your karma. That's your fate. And if you handle that, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you won't come back as an elephant next time. You'll come back as something better. Uh, You know, it just goes no hope. 48,000 Indians are finding Jesus every day. Hallelujah. You're allowed to get excited about that, church. I think that, you know, Indonesia... Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim nation, over 200 million people in Indonesia. 15% 
15% of Indonesia are Christian, and the, the statistics of church growth are so great, the government refuses to print them. It fears that there will be a, a riot, that they just, they're trying to keep it secret, the number of people coming to Christ in Indonesia. In Africa, there are a number of nations that are now predominantly Christian. I'm just telling you this stuff to tell you God is serious about reaching a lost world. I'm just telling you this stuff to inspire faith for your kids, your grandkids, your family, your whanau, your relatives, your cousins. we got 40 or 50 cousins and rallies and in-laws and outlaws between us. We're going after them, wanting to see every one of them saved and brought into the kingdom of God. We're praying for them. But these things inspire us. You know, uh, the largest church in the world is in Nigeria. It has 2 million people in the congregation. Don't ask me how they even do church. I have no concept of that. 85% of Kenya is born again. Two-thirds of Ghana is Christian. Africa, south of the Sahara, is 63% Christian. You know, 100 years ago, or in the early 1900s, it was 3% of Africa was Christian. Now it's 63%. There are 33,000 Africans being saved every day. South America, especially Brazil, is on fire for Jesus. The largest number of Pentecostal charismatic Christians in the world live in South America. That's why the church is exploding with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Middle East, where was the cradle of Christianity, but now, uh, now Christians are persecuted and beheaded and killed and imprisoned, and the gospel has been tried to eradicate. You know, the devil's stupid. Every time he tries that, the church just comes back stronger because Jesus said, I will build my my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, in, in Iran, Iran is so hostile to the West, so hostile to Israel, so hostile to Christianity. They say that they estimate that one million young people in Iran have come to Christ in recent years. It might be as much as two million, most of them by having visions and dreams about Jesus. Some of it's radio and TV broadcasts. I love this story. There was a village of 500 people up in the north of Iran, um, Muslim. And one night, the Holy Spirit overshadowed the village, and at least half the village had the same dream. They dreamed about a man clothed in white who said, my name is Isa. Isa is the Arabic name for Jesus. My name is Isa. Follow me and follow my book. And when they woke up in the morning, they began to compete. I had a dream last night about the Isa, and he told me to follow him and follow his book. And they started sharing notes. They realized that over half the village had had the same dream. You know what happened? All 500 gave their hearts to Christ. And then they didn't have the book, you know, because um, Muslims know the book means the Bible because uh, the, the Christians are called the people of the book in the Quran. And um, so they began to pray for the book. A couple of weeks later, there's uh, uh, some Christians, a carload of Christians coming in from Turkey over the border of Iran. They're smuggling Bibles into Iran. And they're not headed for this village. They're going somewhere else. But when they get to the village, the car breaks down. And they cannot get that engine started. They don't know what's going wrong. One of the villagers comes over and says, have you brought the books? And told them the story. And they offloaded their entire shipment of Bibles. And when they'd given them, they started the car. The car just started mysteriously and they went back into Turkey. This is the sort of thing that God is doing. You know, there have been more Muslims saved in the last 15 years than in all of the, the 1,400 years history of Islam put together. In, in Russia, Moscow... The city of Moscow has the highest number of Muslims living in it out of any city in Europe. 
And the untold story is that in Russia, in recent years, two million, two million Muslims have come to Christ. God is on the move. We may not be seeing those numbers yet in New Zealand, but God, the Holy Spirit, is on the move. Why? Because God doesn't want anyone to end up in hell. God's not willing that any perish. All that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Every false thing will bow its knee to Jesus Jesus will be glorified. You know, we had a global outreach day on May the 28th this year where where evangelistic organizations and churches were encouraged to reach out to their community. They now have the results in over the earth on that one day. Two million people gave their lives to Christ. Two million in one day. Hallelujah. I think that's awesome. You say, what do we got to do to see stuff like that happen in Kaitaia? Is an answer. It's found in Acts 11, verse 24. It talks about Barnabas. Barnabas was a great encourager. That's what his name means, son of encouragement. And uh, he was the man that got a hold of, of Saul, the persecutor of the early church. And when he got saved, no one would believe he'd had a real conversion. Barnabas got a hold of Saul, brought him to the apostle, said, I believe this is a genuine conversion. And of course, Saul became the great apostle Paul. And Barnabas was instrumental in launching Paul into his ministry. Great, a great son of encouragement. But this is what the Bible says about Barnabas. In Acts 11, verse 24, Barnabas was a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. How does a great number of people come to the Lord? It's because ordinary Christians everywhere throughout the planet are good people. That's a given. When you come to Christ, He declares you good. He declares you righteous. One of the fruit of the Spirit He develops in you is goodness. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so there's a lot of good people in the room tonight, but it's not a matter of being good. you got to be good and full of the Spirit and full of faith. Because I've discovered when you're full of the Spirit, He prompts you to do some things that are scary. you got to take risks. You need faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It's word and spirit together. And when the people of God get full of the spirit and full of faith, a great number of people get brought to the Lord. You might not lead millions to the Lord, but it might be just some in your family. And if we all do that, it ends up a great number. You know, Greta and I feel that what the Holy Spirit wants to do tonight is release missional fire. You know, William Booth, the early salvation, they had, a, they had a, a song that they kept singing over and over again. The song was, send the fire, send the fire of the Holy Spirit. So one of their great, well-known hymns. And I think that God is saying to New Zealand, he wants to send fire. He wants to send fire. And we're going to pray for the release of Holy Spirit fire in just a few moments. But before we get to that, I've been talking about, you know, you can die with your sin unforgiven, and spend eternity separated from God. And God doesn't want that. And don't leave it to the last minute. Say, well, I'll get right with God on my deathbed. Some people do do that, praise God. But that's a risky business. 
because you don't know when your moment's going to come. And tonight, God may be speaking to your heart. You felt something stirring in your soul as I've been preaching, as I've been declaring Jesus to you. And there may be people here tonight that you need to give your life to Christ. Or maybe you once did, but you've walked right away from God and you need to come back to Him. And I'd love to pray for you that you get right with God tonight, that you get your sin forgiven. You put your faith in Jesus and He declares you righteous in His sight. Not because of religion or religious performance, but because of a gift of righteousness that Father gives you because you believe in His Son. And when you believe in His Son, He changes your heart so you don't go out and do all that rubbish that you used to do because the Bible says if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. He makes all things new. Let's close our eyes so we can concentrate. And I'm going to ask you tonight, if that's you, you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to come back to Christ tonight then I'm going to ask you in a moment just to simply indicate that you want to receive the Lord Jesus into your heart by raising your hand. And if that's you, you're saying, yeah, I need to give my life to Christ or I need to come back to Him. Just as I scan the room now, would you raise your hand? You're saying, yes, that's me. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm coming back to Him. Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand on the front row, just a little girl giving her heart to Christ. Is anyone else? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand right now as I scan the room. We might all be believers in here. This young man, God bless you there. I see your hand too, son. That's great. It's the little kids. You can put your hand down, sweetie. I've seen your hand. It's the kids that are starting out tonight. And another young man. God bless you, son. I see your hand too. Wow. I don't know what God's doing with the kids, but he's starting with them tonight. Are there any adults got the courage of these children? God bless you, son. That's awesome. That's great. Any others? Got the, it takes a bit of courage. God bless you down there. Thank you. Any others? It takes a bit of courage. The fear will, will stop you. But when, you know, the Bible says this, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father. Before my father. That's what Jesus said. But if you're afraid of me before people, I'll, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. And so don't let fear or what others think stop you. If that's you, you're saying, yeah, I need to give my heart to Christ then why don't you just throw your hand up right now saying, yeah, I'm going to give my life. I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm getting right with God tonight. Just quickly as I scan the room one last time, just put your hand up. Put your hand up high. Wave it at me if I can't see it. Is that why you got your hand up, young man? All right, that's awesome. Just throw your hand up. Put your hand up high. I've seen your hand, son. That's great. All right. Hallelujah. Let's stand, church. All right. Here's what we're going to do before we get to praying for release of fire. There's maybe five, five or so people that put their hands up, five or six. I think three or four of those are young children. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I need to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to come out the front. Now, if you're you know, one of the young children, you might want to get your parent to come with you and bring you out the front. So could you just come right now? All those that raise their hands, could you just come and stand down the front here with me? Don't worry about what people think. Doesn't matter. The people in this church are going to love what you're doing. And that's just come and come and stand down the front with me. We're going to pray for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Just stand here. Just face me. That's great. That's cool. Woo. Hallelujah. That's so good. That's so good. Wow, he did he put his hand up? He put his hand up as well. 
I don't know what's happening with the kids tonight, but there's five young children feeling like they need to make a decision for Jesus. And some older ones, God bless you, that's so good. You coming? Yeah, that's awesome. Who else? All right, that's so good. Well, can you guys all follow me in a prayer? Is that all right? I'm going to say it word by word, and you just say it after me. All right? So here we go. We're going to pray the prayer together. All right? Okay, here we go. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me tonight for all my sins. Thank you that you died for me and you rose again from the dead. I now open my heart and ask you to come and live in me. I now receive you, Lord Jesus. I give you my life. Give me power to live for you for the rest of my days. Amen. We're just going to pray, honey. Could you just come? We'll just pray for each one. Is he okay? Going to pray for your son. Lord Jesus, just bless him, I pray. You want to come and help him? Just bless them, Lord. You know, Jesus blessed the little children. I just think this is amazing. God, just bless these young kids in the name of Jesus. Just bless them, Lord. Let them go on strong for you. Thank you, Father. Bless this young man. Make him a warrior. Make him a warrior. God, make him strong in the Holy Spirit. Bless him, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you just, if you just turn around, there's some of the leaders here in the aisle. They've got a little book they're going to give you to help you know. So if you go down the back of the church with them, okay, you just follow the, these guys. Can you give me a wave, Helen? All right, yeah, yeah. just follow those ones down the back. Mum and Dad, can you take the kids down the back? Going to give them something that is great. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what you guys are singing, but let's uh, let's sing it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks, Emma. Just lead us, lead us in something. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing for a minute or two. Let's focus on the Lord Jesus. Sing freedom reigns. Thank you, Lord. Freedom reigns. Yes. reigns. Come on, make him Lord tonight. Let him reign. Yeah. Jesus reigns in this Jesus reigns in Kaitaya. Freedom reigns. Here we go. Freedom reigns. Yes, Lord Jesus. Freedom reigns. 
set the captives free tonight. you to lift your hands to heaven to get into a receptive mode in a moment not just now in a receptive mode one of the things we're gonna we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to release his fire you know when you get the fire of God in you it changes everything there is a fire that the Lord has lit in my life since that revelation on the plane a fire of passion to see people saved. I'm not an evangelist, but I got such a fire in me to want to see our family saved. We are praying every week, God save them. We, I can't let a meeting go by where I don't give an invitation in case there's even one person that needs to give their life to Christ. It's like God has lit a fire. God's going to light a fire in people tonight that will motivate your prayer life, motivate you to look at the lost people around your life differently, not as hardened, not interested in God, but you see them through God's sight. Now, it's just a little thing about receiving from the Holy Spirit. You know, in a moment when Greta and I release the anointing of the Spirit, if you've got two things, it will attract the Holy Spirit to touch your life. One is faith. When we begin to declare things, if you have faith, say, I believe for that, I'm receiving it. God will be attracted to that faith. The other is hunger. If you're hungry, if you're hungry, God, touch my life. I'm hungry for your fire. When that hunger is seen in your heart, I tell you what, the Holy Spirit's going to touch your life. Why don't we lift our hands to the Lord right now? Holy Spirit, we honor your beautiful presence here. Will you come to minister the fire of Jesus, the presence of Jesus tonight? And so, Holy Spirit, we honor you. We acknowledge you. And in these next moments, I pray that you will move like a wave, like a wave of fire through this room, that you will touch every heart that's got faith, every heart that's got hunger. Lord, I pray that you'll download fire of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Honey, would you just release that? Holy Spirit, first of all, we want want more love for Jesus. We want to burn with love for Jesus. Because when we love Jesus more, we love what Jesus loves. And Jesus loves the lost of the world. So right now, in his precious name, I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Receive his anointing. Fire. Fire. I release it. Receive it in the name of Jesus. 
let your hearts burn with such a passion for Jesus like never before. Revelation of Jesus. Increase revelation of Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit, keep engaging with the Holy Spirit. Keep drawing upon Him. Uh, the Lord often moves in waves. And some of you are being touched right now. You'll be tangibly touched by the Holy Spirit. Others of you may not feel anything, but just take it by faith. But right now, Holy Spirit, more fire all through this room. Fire, let it fall. Fire, let it come in Jesus' name. God, sweep away fear. Sweep away timidity. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everybody that has faith. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we release the fire of holy boldness in everybody's life. In Jesus' name. Pour out the holy, pour out a fire of intercession, a fire of intercession that, Lord, we will pray. We will seek your face for the lost of Northland, for the lost of Kaitaia. We will seek your face for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. to evangelize, a fire to share the gospel, a fire to be your witnesses in the name of Jesus, but a fire in the mouths of your people. Lord, a two-edged sword on fire in the mouths of your people. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just keep, Holy Spirit, rain on your people. Rain on your people, the fire of the Spirit, the love of Jesus. Just pour it out, pour it out, pour it out right now. Lord, courage, boldness, compassion. We release the fire of the Holy Spirit all through this room. Now there's a number of you tangibly feeling the presence of God on you. That won't be everybody in the room because many times we just don't feel anything, but we take it by faith. And I tell you what, we're going to be different. We're going to be different. But there are some of you, you're tangibly feeling God's presence. It's like you've actually literally felt heat or fire in your body. How many have felt heat or fire? Give me a wave. All right. Some of you are finding it really hard to stand up right now. You're shaking. You're trembling. You're wobbling. Uh, some of you might have felt the wind of the Spirit. How many felt like a breeze just blowing on you? A number of you. Some of you are shaking. There may be other ways. Some of you are crying. Some of you are laughing. There's a tangible release of the presence of God on your life. If you are tangibly sensing God's presence on you, we would love to pray for you first. We'll get to pray for others later. But we're going to pray first. If you are tangibly experiencing the presence of God, would you quickly come to the front, please? We may not need to push back the first row, guys. But if you are tangibly experiencing the presence of God, just quickly come to the front. Just come as far forward as you can. And just one line across the front. And we're going to push some of the chairs back. Guys, can we push some of those chairs back? That'll be great. Thank you, Jesus. And if you are in a second row, maybe if you could be, if you're in the second row, could you maybe be a couple of meters back? Because sometimes people do fall when the power of God comes on them. If you could, the second row, if you could take a couple of steps back, please. Can we have a couple of the men help Greta and me just to come in behind in case anyone does fall? Can we have a couple of the men come and pray? Uh, just come and that'll be great. Can we have two of the men? Yeah, thank you. You can help Greta and you can help me. That'd be great. 
Thank you. And uh, Paul, I'm going to hand the meeting back to you. Uh, we probably actually closed the meeting now. Uh, if some of you need to go, then feel free to do that. Thank you so much for coming. If you want to stay for ministry, then feel free to stick around and we'll get to pray for you. And uh, again, we're happy for life group leaders and ladies group leaders. If you want to come and help pray, that'll be great.